And welcome on in, everybody, to the Check Your Brain podcast. If you're watching this, that is my logo right there. It's also the podcast logo on the major platforms. Thank you, everybody, for checking this out on Rumble on the major platforms, the Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everything like that. Uh, YouTube, we'll see how long this stays on YouTube. <laughs> I'll be honest here. My name is Tony Mazer. Thank you, everybody, for uh, checking out the show. And if you want more content like this, trust me, there's a lot of content like this. Go to my Patreon at patreon.com slash Tony Mazur, T-O-N-Y-M-A-Z-U-R. You get upwards of 20 to 25 podcasts per month for three bucks. Three bucks. I think that's... Uh, Let's see. If you're going for a day pass at a gym, that's like three months of a of, of day passes. All right. So uh, so go check that out at patreon.com slash Tony Mazer. Uh, that is me. I am Tony Mazer. And my guest this week is Ian Smith. He is uh, a gym owner and co-owner. He's a fitness guy. He's a uh, and now he's an author. He's the author of a book that uh, is available. You can find it at findyourhill.com. I'm going to share the screen here. Uh, I, for whatever reason, my browser's not showing up on your actual website, but that is the book there, Find Your Hill, Worth Fighting For. That is Ian Smith on the cover here. And uh, so go check that out. Ian, thanks for doing the show. Absolutely. My pleasure. So let's talk about this book, Find Your Hill. And uh, it's it's something that for people who have gotten to know you the last three years of of being outspoken, whether it's on podcasts, on social media, you've been on TV interviews, you've had speaking engagements, but you delve into a lot more personal stuff in this book. Talk about that. Um, you know, so when I set out to write this, when I set out to, to write the book, it was originally just a story of um, the gym and and the escapades that we had while we reopened during the COVID lockdowns and everything that that became of it. And, you know, I started to write the book and it was a little too easy to write. It was, uh, you know, I, I kind of found like it to feel cheap because um, it's super easy to tell a story when you're the hero. You know, uh, it's super easy to tell everybody about all the great things that you've done in your life. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is that I, I, I haven't always been somebody who did the right thing. Um, and I didn't want people to read the book and either a think, Oh, listen, look at this guy. He's full of himself. He thinks he's great. Um, but more importantly, I didn't want people to read the book and go, I could never do that. Um, because I heard that a lot during the COVID-19 shutdowns, you know, people would come up to us and say, thank you so much for what you're doing. You know, um, you know, I, I, how did you have the courage? How did you, you know, you guys are so strong. And the reality is, is that we were just two guys who made a decision to not get pushed around. Uh, and we stuck by that decision, no matter how hard or how scary it got, but, you know, people often walk around with, uh, with their failures on their back or their shortcomings or, or things that have sort of held them back. So I start the story with my greatest failures. Um, I talk about, uh, the time I spent in prison and and the actions that uh, that put me in prison. It was a very dark period of my life, um, but it made me way better as an individual, and it made me really appreciate freedom. Um, and then I talk about you know becoming a young entrepreneur and and kind of uh, the years after prison and making my way uh, through life with this second chance that I had. Um, and then I talk about the obviously the gym and what happened with that, and it, it really just ends with a call to action. For people to find their own personal power because if you would have asked me three years ago four years ago if i would ever be in the position that i am today i would have said no i would have told 
said the same same lie we all tell ourselves and that's I'm just one person. Um, but the reality is, is I was just one person. I made a decision to open my gym uh, against lockdowns and and to uh, to ride that wave all the way through. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And it was a really small decision at the time. I could have I could have viewed it, excuse me, as a small decision. I think that's a problem that we all have is that we think our actions are very small um, and they're inconsequential. Uh, because, A, we don't have a big following or whatever, uh, or we think that nobody's watching what we're doing. And the, the truth is very far from that. So it's really just a call to action for people to find that that power and that that courage within themselves, because it, it's something that is within each of us. You just kind of have to pull it out. Um, and that's it. You mentioned about being the hero throughout uh, out this. And I use that in quotes because I think you I, I come up. I have people come up to me and say, like, Thank you for, you know, you're the only person on my Twitter timeline or you're somebody that when I worked in radio, that you were the only person who had any kind of sanity that was trying to tell people, go to the gym, go outside, go to the beach, get some sunlight, get some exercise while everybody else is telling you stay home, wear three masks on your face and everything. But also, like you said about that hero feeling where you can kind of think like, yeah, you know what? I was right. And thank God I'm going to pat myself on the back. But I struggled during that time. I struggled with my own mental health and we all kind of did. And it's so if we if you came out on top and I use that in quotes here uh, again, you came out on top, you felt like you did the right thing and you uh, you, you know, did whatever you could to try to go against the lockdowns, the mandates and stuff like that. However, it wasn't always easy. There were times where I, I would be at home ranting and raving and my my wife, my new wife at the time, we got married in 2020. She's just like, OK, look, I don't want to hear about it. I want to hear about it anymore. I, I'm, I'm tired of you ranting and raving. Save that for your podcast. And I'm like, I don't have a podcast. Maybe I should start a podcast. And that's kind of what ended up happening. So there's a lot of good. There's a, but there was also a lot of bad. And I like the fact that you're showing your vulnerability that you're not just going out there going like, look at me, I defied the government. And here we are three years later. And everyone has said, thank you, Ian, for all your service. It wasn't always easy. And that's what I like the fact that you are uh, putting yourself out there and you put yourself out there way before that to show everybody that, look, this isn't, <laughs> this wasn't planned. This is just, you kind of go by the seat of your pants in a lot of ways, but, and you also go by your instinct. Yeah. You know, it, it was, that moment, you know, I can remember very specifically that kind of period in time. Um, you know, we had just bought the gym. Uh, it was a failing gym when we bought it. And in nine months, we turned it around. And then all of a sudden, somebody came knocking and they said, shut your business down. And, you know, uh, it, it was very scary time, you know, and uh, it would have been a lot easier for us to like, open the back door and kind of, you know, cheat the system like a lot of businesses were doing. And that's no insult to anybody who did that. But for me, that just didn't feel right. Um, it was like a the, the first time in my life where I was confronted with a very hard choice, which I, the, the right choice was the hard choice. And that, you know, that's, that's usually the case. Um, but all my life, I would always take the easier choice. I would kind of get away from conflict. I, I, you know, whatever I had to do to make it as easy on me as possible. We knew this was going to be hard. We knew that it was going to come with its sacrifices, but we did it anyway. And it was, as soon as I made that choice, there was something that was sort of awoken inside of me that, um, that was there all along, but I didn't know it was there. Um, 
and it, it, it brought me a great amount of peace um, because I knew that no matter what was going to happen, that, that I was going to be okay. Um, and that's in the eyes of my maker, um, whenever I get to meet him, that he would be proud of me for, for not just accepting bullshit. Um, because every fiber of my being knew that what was happening was bullshit. I was watching businesses go out of business left and right. I mean, local businesses that were in business for generations. Um, and it just, none of it felt right. And it felt like this was, this was my opportunity to do the right thing. And, um, I didn't want to pass it up because I had done that many times before. And I think we all do that, you know, in our lives. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was exciting. It was exhilarating, but it was life-changing more than anything because it showed me a side of myself that I had sort of turned off for a very long time. Yeah. I, I remembered, uh, in those early days, I remember when the, the clock struck 2020 and going on, I, I was to get married in June. We still ended up getting married in June. Uh, that was when we cared more about George Floyd and racism than uh, we did COVID. We took a, a couple of weeks off from COVID. A little, little break on COVID there. Yeah, exactly. It's like, we're, we diverted our attention a little bit, but, um, so I remembered, I, I, cut out the booze uh, throughout January. I did the dry January thing and not, not because Joe Rogan and all those, but I'm just like, you know what? It's good. To, it's a good time. I'm at home. This is a time when a lot of people are having a lot of drinks. They got nothing else going on. It's too cold outside. I'm going to cut out. I'm going to hit the gym a little bit more. I'm going to do whatever, whatever I can to stay healthy. I'm getting ready. I want to get in wedding shape. I want to, I want to be a little bit, uh, my, have my, uh, my suit fit me, my tuxedo fit me, like maybe a little bit loose. Then they have to readjust because like, wow, you lost some weight or, Hey, you're a little bit more chiseled this time. And then sure enough, here comes March 11th, 2020, when the world shuts down. And I knew it was going as somebody, and I know you felt this way too reading up on authoritarian governments, you read up on any kind of authoritarianism, totalitarianism, you started hearing about all this stuff and the, the NBA was going to shut down and Tom Hanks gets COVID and everything like that. And we just kind of felt that this is probably going to be it for a while. This is it. Uh, I don't know where we go from here. It could be a month. Could It certainly wasn't going to be the two weeks to slow the spread, but I'm like, this is going to last maybe the rest of 2020. We're going to be stuck in our homes and not allowed to do anything. And it was such a black pill moment for me. And I am not, I, look, I, I play softball. I go to the gym, but I, I running is my least favorite thing. And it was the only thing I could do. I don't have, I, I worked in radio. I made $28,000 a year. I couldn't have a home gym at home. You know, I, I couldn't even go to a planet fitness that was down the street from me. So all I had to do was go run. And I'm so blackpilled at this time. And it's odd to think just three years later, it's such a distant memory how quickly this turned around. When you were in that position, you're fighting with Governor Murphy and you're fighting fighting with the media and everybody else. Did you think just two to three years from now that all of this is just almost basically forgotten about? You know, yeah, yeah, I, I, I kind of did. Um, and I think that's kind of why we went so hard was because we wanted to make as much noise as possible and and show people as much as we could how psychotic these individuals really are and and to what lengths they will go to to ensure your compliance in the face of absurdity you know so that was our kind of our strategy was we knew this wasn't going to last forever you know 
granted it lasted a while um you know it took two years for them to fully kind of drop all mandates um even more actually but there's still i i actually just saw a piece today that said that there's still a bunch of big time colleges that are requiring vaccines oh yeah so Rutgers, go there or uh, play, Rutgers, play which is the state college of new jersey Rutgers is still forced vaccinating and now they're actually um I'm not sure through through what mechanism, but they're they're basically expelling students who won't get vaccinated. Um, Still doing this, like their boosters, because I think they pretty much forced vaccination upon all of them. But now it's like, no, you need your seventh booster, or you can't, you know, take art history. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we um, we the strategy was to make as much noise as possible and to draw these people out because you know the politicians and big corporations and all these just shady fucks tend to operate best in the shadows. You know, they they put something in front of your face and, and it's some some clickbait news. Uh, you know, meanwhile, they're they're making moves back here, kind of screwing you over. And we wanted to pull them out into the light. And that was the whole plan by opening. It was like, come and get us. You know, we were very public about it. It wasn't like we just quietly opened. Like I went on Tucker Carlson and announced we were going to open. And that was like, that was our fuck you, come get us. Um and and that was the strategy was to draw these people out and to just show the world how crazy these people really are so that they could see it and understand it and hopefully never forget it. Um, but, you know, COVID is a very distant memory and people people have shown to be not everybody. There's a lot of people who remember, but there's a there's a big, big chunk of people who, you know, as soon as those mandates were dropped and as soon as things went back to normal, it's like they never want to consider that this can happen again and you know it will in some other form you know whether it's uh the next china virus or or you know this was my favorite thing this this came out (laughs) this came out last year i i i loved this one this is from the atlantic if you're only listening to the audio right now let's declare a pandemic amnesty let's focus on the future and fix the problems we still need to solve and it was this whole piece yeah october was on halloween last year and it was a whole piece on, guys, you know what? We said a lot of things. We really didn't mean them. We we're probably kind of mean during the COVID stuff. Guys, let's let's have an olive branch. And my response says, fuck you. Fuck off. And, and I, I hope you end up in boxcars. You need to be on firing, firing lines at this time because you people, uh, it, it, you made that's everybody. What they wanted, that's what they like, wanted for you. That's what they wanted for exactly. you. Exactly. I mean, and and literally this paper too. I mean, the Atlantic wrote several hit pieces about me um, where they, you know, they basically called us like homicidal fucking maniacs. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and these guys and everybody else, I mean, these, pe- these people were calling for forced vaccinations. They were calling for, you know, exile from from any sort of uh, public meeting place. Um, they were talking about jail time. Uh, you know, it didn't matter. They, and there was nothing that was extreme enough or too extreme for these people when talking about, especially when it when it came to to vaccinations. Um, you know, they were they they would have happily, you know, if the government came around and and pulled a boxcar into your town, there would have been people who were, who were pointing people out and saying, you know, they, they're not vaccinated or, or they, he doesn't wear a mask in public. And then, you know, this, this article, you know, even though it's the opinion of Emily Oster or whatever her name is, um, this article is just an example of, of what most of these people 
feel like, you know, I, I saw it up close and personal. I traveled a lot during the pandemic and I flew and I flew without a mask and it was an absolute nightmare. Um, you know, I kind of had some fun with it, not going to lie, but you know, I got, I wound up getting kicked off of, uh, permanently kicked off of five different airlines. I could no longer fly. I was on a TSA watch list. Um, but I flew without a mask every single time. And I remember, you know, I'd, I'd always be in the airport and I would literally be the only one who was not wearing a mask. And I remember when they dropped the mask mandate and people were so fucking nasty. I mean, people would snarl. Um, you know, people would request seat changes, would ask for me to be removed from a flight, would uh, would make a huge deal. I mean, curse at me, scream at me. I remember when the mask mandate was dropped, I was in the airport and there was still like, you know, whatever, some people with masks on. But I remember thinking like, man, like two weeks ago when I was at the airport, these people were were foaming at the mouth, you know, and now now they're acting like nothing like like they weren't just acting like complete psychos, you know, like everything's OK all of a sudden. You know, like these people that are now walking around either with a mask or without a mask um, who were psychotic about it before. Just totally normal. And it's like to be able to do that, you either are woefully unaware of your just your yourself and the hypocrisy or you're blatantly a hypocrite and just don't care. And are so far removed from logic and reasoning that it, it, it doesn't even dawn on you that, wow, I was a real asshole to these people. Yeah. Um, Cause there's, there was never any apology um, for any of these people, especially all like the big name people, like these, these, these influencers and these Hollywood people who, who would get on their soapbox and, and just act like just total jerk offs. Um, when it was, when it was over and they had to, you know, it was time to move on to something else. It's like, they act like nothing happened. Um, and it's insulting. I think for a lot, for, especially for what a lot of people went through, a lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people were harassed. Um, people who like really didn't deserve it. Like, I don't care if you harass me, I could care less, but you know, the, uh, the single mom who, you know, got harassed because she wanted, she didn't want her kids wearing masks or didn't want to wear a mask when she went to work or had some sort of medical condition that really didn't make it okay. Or that lost her job as a result of, you know, vaccinations. She doesn't get an apology from anybody. No. Um, it's just like, fuck you, move on. Well, and some of us were actually saying it at the time. I mean, in, in this story here that I have up, it says, in April 2020, with nothing else to do, my family took an enormous number of hikes. We all wore cloth masks that I made myself because, you know, those those worked. Uh, we had a family hand signal, which the person in front would use if someone was approaching the trail and we needed to put on our masks. Once uh, <laughs> once when another child got too close to my then four-year-old son on a bridge, he yelled at her, social distancing. These precautions were totally misguided. In April 2020, no one got the coronavirus from passing someone else hiking. Outdoor transmission was vanishingly rare. Our cloth masks made out of old bandanas wouldn't have done anything anyway. But the thing is, we didn't know. Here's the thing I'd like to say to this person and anyone else who actually did this, because there were people out there. We did know, motherfuckers. Some yeah. of us actually said this, that outdoor transmission is it, it doesn't exist. 
it doesn't exist unless you're all hugging each other with 20,000 people. Then you can make a case for it. It didn't exist at the time. Go outside. Then you had this douchebag in Florida going like uh, on the beaches with the Grim Reapers and you're killing people. When in reality, going to a beach in Florida is probably the healthiest thing you can do. You are getting exercise. You are quote unquote, social distancing from other towels. You are getting sun, you're getting exercise. And instead they're trying to arrest paddle boarders in California because you're violating stay at home orders. So again, if any of these people want pandemic amnesty, go fuck yourselves. Yeah, no, it should be, you know, if the, the real good thing would be is if people said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I acted like that. Um, cause that would at least show that there's some, some growth involved. Like, yeah, you were an asshole, but like an apology goes a long way, especially when it's genuine and people don't have to pull it out of you. You know, I respect the person who goes, Hey, you know what? I, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what I was thinking. I was totally wrapped up in, in, in all of this. And, and you're right. I should have known, but I didn't. And the things I said or the things I did, were really uncalled for. And, you know, to my friends, to my family, to the fucking strangers that I yelled at in the supermarket, I'm sorry. I, that takes so much to do. So if, if people were to do that, I would have a tremendous amount of respect for those individuals. But the fact that people can't do that, it's just, it's really concerning. Cause it's like, man, what's the next thing that you guys are just going to buy hook, line and sinker and act like total morons? You know, is it going to be climate change? Cause it sure seems like that's what's next. Yeah. You know, um, it, it's, I would be less concerned. I would feel a whole lot better post coronavirus and pandemic. If a lot of people came out and said, Hey, sorry, I got that way wrong because at least then you understand that these people are capable of some sort of growth, right? And some sort of um, taking something away from all of this. You just being like, well, we were wrong. Oh, well, is not, that's not an apology that doesn't signal any sort of growth, anything like that. Because guess what? If we were all wrong and we were running around and actually killing people and actually spreading the virus, you would think that there would be some apologies from that crowd. And there would be, there would be. Because There's none. I, I don't honestly, I don't see any apologies. I, I think the only person is I saw Arnold Schwarzenegger when he had that thing where it says, they're talking about your freedom, we'll screw your freedom. And then I guess he said something like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said it, something like that. But that's the only apology no, too, he's gotten. Too late. Too late. Yeah. You could have done that a long time ago. He did it like an entire year later. You know what I mean? <laughs> And, and the worst part is I'm not even seeing apologies from normies like they all. I think what's happened is the uh, the narrative is out there now that the lockdowns in 2020 were a minor inconvenience that, OK, yeah, we had to stay home and we watched Tiger King and we we uh, door dash some uh, fast food. And yeah, OK, I mean, look, we were on our laptops. We worked from home. And uh, yeah, that was it. Uh, it was no problem. And we had to do what we right. can because people were dying. And thank you to Dr. Fauci for keeping us safe and uh, and helping with these life saving vaccines. And I'm afraid that that's what that narrative is coming out there, because whenever you and I talk about people were forced out of work, they weren't allowed to leave their house. They were getting yeah, arrested no, for violating. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. No one forced a vaccine needle into your arm. No one actually forced. They're playing semantics. No. Yeah, of course, no one strapped me down to a chair and said, you're going to get this 
gene therapy that's going to be shot into your arm. Boy, I'm I'm really going to get kicked off of YouTube, but I don't care. <laughs> the uh, we're, 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 So they're playing the game like no one forced you. Yeah, OK, you lost everything. You lost your job. You lost your your family hasn't talked to you anymore, everything like that. But no one actually forced yeah, you. Nobody actually forced you. Yeah, okay. it, it's that this is what's bothering me. And this is why people like you and I and others need to continue taking back that narrative, because I'm afraid it's going to get memory hold as this was just a necessary minor inconvenience that we had to go through. And now we shrug our shoulders and move on to talking about Ukraine or whatever. It, abs- it absolutely is. And it absolutely will be. You know, the, the, the thing about time is time makes everything feel less significant, both good and bad. Right. You have a you have a great a great vacation. Right. You know, and, and you a week out from it, you're like, man, that was so awesome, man. That was awesome. But three years later, you're like, oh, yeah, I went to Mexico that one time. It was pretty fun. Um, and the same thing with bad things. You know, it's like when when you mess up really bad, right, you do something to somebody that's really fucked up and, and you hurt somebody, you know, you feel really bad about it, really, really bad about it. But three years go by and you don't really talk to that person anymore. You don't really care about it. And that's that's just sort of human nature. I don't think that's avoidable in any in any way. but on top of that, you have, like you said, the narrative where it's like, oh, yeah, like, dude, we just locked down for a little while. Like, it wasn't even that bad. Like, it was like, yeah, that was like, the, la- the laptop. Yeah, class. It's, it's like, oh, we oh, you know, maybe we got it a little bit wrong. But it's like it, 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 in that article, we didn't know. Yes, the fuck we did know it wasn't a mistake. None of this was a mistake. It's but that's the the narrative that the media and politicians will paint is like, oh yeah, we got that. You know, we may have overreacted a little bit, but like we, our hearts were in the right place. You know, we, we wanted to keep people safe and sorry, we infringed upon a couple of your rights. And yeah, there may have been a couple nurses that like lost their jobs or whatever, but like, they're fine. You know, they, they got another one. And then it's like, but thank God we reacted in the first place, because if we didn't imagine what would have happened um, and and that dissipates any blame, that's that's their way of just kind of acknowledging that, like, hey, we didn't get it right, but we tried. And the reality is, is none of these people are stupid. Dr. Fauci's not stupid. Your local politician is not stupid. Your Governor Murphy, your Gretchen Whitmer, your Gavin Newsom. Your Nancy Pelosi's, none of these people are stupid. They play stupid because them being stupid warrants less anger than them being malicious. Yes. You know, it. I mean, Joe Biden is the is the example of it. It's like, oh, it's, it's just it's just Grandpa Joe. Like, we're, you know, sorry, we're just fucking everything up, but he's trying. That way, you know, nobody can be like, hey, these people are intentionally doing this. Um and that's the narrative that they'll paint. And that's the narrative they have. And they have closed the book on COVID. It is gone. And they will not be talking about it anymore. It, they'll, they'll touch on it here and there. But they won't go back into what they've done. Um, why would they? They got away with it. Yeah. And they, and they will continue to. And that's what really bothered me. And I know that this, this got you uninvited from a lot of places because Conservative Inc. kind of took you over as like your new darling and saying that, oh, hey, let's bring Ian Smith over and talk. uh, He's going to talk about the lockdowns and everything. I'm thinking to myself at the time, what was the first state that locked down and shut anything down? That was my state in Ohio. We have a a purportedly Republican governor in Mike DeWine. 
He was the first person who shut down the aforementioned Arnold Schwarzenegger Invitational in Columbus. There was a big weightlifting and powerlifting competition. We had, we had a uh, we had an Arnold Expo at the gym instead. We had like a mini one. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, it, but yeah, you guys were the first ones to take any action, and that was that was it. That was like when we were like, "Whoa, they canceled the the Arnold." Yep. Like that was the first one. That's a big like the Arnold is like in the world of of bodybuilding and weightlifting. Uh, that's like that's the big that's the Super Bowl you know, of, 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 of gym events. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys were the, I didn't even think about that. You guys were ahead of the curve on that one. Literally. And that's what the problem was. It wasn't, it, they said, Oh, well, COVID became political. Well, of course it became political immediately, but it wasn't necessarily Republicans didn't want to lock down and Democrats did No, the Republicans locked down first way before Gavin, Newsom, like two weeks before Gavin Newsom shut California down, Ohio, Maryland, two rhino Republican governors, Shut oh, down their Santa state. Shut down too. He doesn't like to talk about it anymore. He likes to pretend like he was the freedom governor, but yeah. I mean, it it, it bothered me that it became because as anybody knows, when you talk about uniparty, that when the parties get together and agree on something, it's for malicious always reasons. Bad. Always yeah, bad just like the Patriot Act. As I always mention about the it's Patriot like Act, Ukraine, all of it. You know what I mean? Nine eleven. When these people agree. I mean, when they disagree, it's still bullshit because it's all theater. But when they're all together on something, you know, you're about to get royally fucked. Yeah. Well, like, oh, we need to make the we need to make this Patriot Act to go after these terrorists. Well, little did you realize that when you said I have nothing to hide, you can tap my phones that eventually 15, 20 years later, you were going to be called a terrorist. Kind mm-hmm. of interesting how that turned around. So that's why uh, it, it bothered me. When they started talking about, oh, the Republicans want this. I'm like, then I, no, Republicans shut down. I mean, like you said about DeSantis and Kemp, they shut their states down. Now, granted, they were better on it than others. There's still places where people are wearing masks and still getting their boosters and everything. But it took conservatives a little bit to, I, I guess, catch on to the grift. Uh, but some of us were in 2020, like eventually by 2021, they're like, yeah, you know what? These mandates are kind of ridiculous. I don't think OSHA should be forcing anything on companies. And I'm going like, hello, for a year yeah, and a shit. half, we've been talking about this. W- welcome aboard. It's about time. Thank you, Daily Wire. Thank you, Ben Shapiro and all of them. I'm glad yeah, after he told you- everybody to, to shut up and get vaccinated. It's just it's amazing. And that's why it because it, be, it became political because of an election and everything. But it shouldn't have been political. This whole thing should have been. So that's why I kind of look at things instead of Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal. I look at it as were you good on the is- issues that are important? Like, are you against the Ukraine war? Were you against the mandates? Are you pro freedom? Are you whatever? OK, then you're fine with me if you weren't. And if you were bad during that time. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. I mean, say, oh, you want to be in an echo chamber. You know what? You guys have already been in an echo chamber. I've been one to try to reach out and have conversations for years. I don't care anymore. No, I'm just going to do my own thing over here. And I'm, I'm glad more people are doing that. Uh, you're certainly seeing that. I mean, you're seeing that a lot. Um, you know, for me, the, you know, the conservatives kind of picked me up and I was their poster boy for a little while, but very quickly, I realized, you know, and it, it's nice, like conservative Inc. is is funny because they act like they're like these victims. And, and that's like the role that they play. You know, it's always the liberals attacking and the conservatives are somehow 
you know, the, uh, the, the warriors for individual liberty. And that's just not, I mean, it's just not the case. Um, Cause when it comes down to really important stuff about your rights, uh, the conservatives will trample you just as quick as the, as the liberals will, except they'll ask you to donate to them while they do. Um, you know, they'll, they'll vote for red flag gun laws, like, uh, my boy, uh, Dan Crenshaw, um, oh. you know, or, or even like Trump, you know, he's, he's, he's big pro two a, and all of a sudden we have pistol braces and bump stocks being, you know, being banned. Um, you know, so I started to, to witness this cause I, I got kind of wrapped up in the, you know, the conservative war cry. And I really thought that these people were like advocating for us. And, and the more I associated with it, the, the more I could not deny that these people are just as much of an issue as the radical left. In fact, probably more so because they'll smile in your face and stab you in the back. Um, they are the party. I like to call them the professional losers. Um, the Washington generals. Yeah, they exactly. <laughs> they, they always, pretend like they're they're fighting for you but they always come up short no matter what they can't stop the bill they can't get the votes they didn't get enough donations and it's always we'll get them next time and then the 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 hand is extended for more money you know that's like all these people do it's like you know here in jersey the the gop is i mean it's it's a mess um but They'll lose an election and they'll talk about election fraud and then they'll just come back and be like, well, we're just going to vote harder next time. Yep. And for me, I just got sick of it. I got sick of that. But more more than anything, watching the election fraud was one. And then watching Trump push the vaccine for me um, was too much for me to handle because I don't consider myself. It, uh, a, an extremely smart individual. You know, I think I'm somewhere in the middle of the bell curve, maybe a little bit on the right of it. I saw through that from a million miles away. So you can't tell me that Donald Trump didn't. So either A, he didn't, and I'm smarter than he is, which I don't think that's the case. Um, but if it is, I don't want you to be my leader mm-hmm. if you're not as smart as me. Um, and if that's not the case, then you knew it. And you knew it was a bad idea and you did it anyway, whether you folded under pressure or whether you were in on it. None of none of those scenarios make a lot of sense for me to, to, to support you. And that goes for all of conservative ink. And as soon as I started vocalizing that, I was no longer the golden boy. I got uninvited to CPAC. I was no longer, uh, you know, getting invites to Mar-a-Lago to speak. And um, it's very it's very concerning because they they capture a lot of energy that would be much better used somewhere else you know because the 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 voters have pure hearts they just they want to be free but they're not seeing the big picture they're not seeing that conservative ink captures their energy and then makes it go nowhere no you know when in reality is if all these people who are voting conservative decided hey we're not going to support you anymore. We're going to go form our own party or we're going to vote third party. They would be a force to be reckoned with, but they, they capture all of that energy and anger and, and desire to be free. And then they, they, they put a, a regulator on it so that the movement never actually goes anywhere. 
Well, and and there's no solutions either. That's my problem is that yeah, it's, it's just, usually it's a constant cycle of bitching. They yeah. bitch, they bitch, they bitch. And then they, they celebrate these like really like weak wins. They're like, oh, well, Bud Light lost all this money. And it's like, <laughs> like, no, they didn't really like, yeah. Okay. So they're not the number one selling beer, but like the company that owns them is totally fine because they own 17 other beers along with it. And instead of buying Bud Light, now you're just buying their other beer. Like, so it's, but conservatives will harp on that and act like they've, like they've won something. And it's like, we're addicted to these, like, I call it hopamine. There are these like hits of hopamine where we feel good. We feel like we're getting somewhere, but like all of the major issues are going untouched. You know, it's like, look, look, we, Bud Light lost $6 billion in market cap or whatever it is. Cool. Great. But it's like, Hey, wow. Our national debt's like almost at 34 trillion now, you know, Hey, we're getting closer and closer to world war three. Like, Hey, they're teaching your kids about butt sex in second grade, you know, but Oh no, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate Bud Light and let's celebrate the sound of freedom because something, something big has happened. And it's, it's very concerning because all of the energy behind that could just be used so much more powerfully. And it could really be the beginning of a, of a people's revolution of empowerment of people. But it's so, it's so easy to just distract people with these silly wins. Like, Oh, you know, we, we got a Jason Aldean to the number one spot. Uh, try that in a small town. Jason Aldean talks about gun regulation. You know, he said, he says it's too easy for people to get guns. And all of a sudden, like, I heard somebody say it the other day. They said, conservatism is blinded by consumerism. And we think that Bud Light losing some money and a, and a country music, fuck, like, shit song is somehow winning. And it's like, if, if these are wins, we are in for a massive loss. Because that's like us just having the blinders on and walking towards the edge of the cliff and thinking that we're getting somewhere. Yeah. I mean, look, I I think it's worth talking about culture war issues because I think conservative uh, conservatives for 60 years ignored them. They're like, well, as long as every two to four years we can win a couple of elections. It's like, well, and then you wonder why, again, they're teaching anal sex to two to second graders. And you say, wow, how did we get here? And it's like, well, yeah, there was that little slippery slope thing that we heard about 35 years ago that you ignored. So I I think you do have to fight in the culture. You have to fight against this. But I think it also starts locally, too. And when you talk about solutions, so like when I I go on my podcast, I just do my solo shows. I don't just rage bait. Like, I don't just bitch hearing like, can you believe what these jokers in Washington are doing? Uh, and then here's a sponsor ad or here's this and that. It's like, no, I'm going to talk about this. That's what how, do we get, how do we get a solution? How do we get a solution where we're not talking about butt sex with second graders anymore? How do we get to a point? Should Do we get to a point of uh, upending these school boards, everything like that? I think there are good efforts, but they have to be local. We can't just be so hyper-focused on who the president is because uh, I'll be honest here. I think Joe Biden's going to win again next year, no matter if it's DeSantis, Ramaswamy or Trump. I think they're going to do everything in their power to make sure Joe Biden wins again. 
And it doesn't matter to me. I haven't lost any sleep because of who the president is because it doesn't fucking bother me. Uh, what bothers me is when I see my local school district that would teach something like critical race theory. And so instead of bitching about it on Facebook, why don't we go there and vote these motherfuckers out or do something? And it's uh, it, it's just that's my problem with uh, it, it, that I actually handed to the Democrats, to the progressives, because they do have solutions. They're evil solutions, but they have a means to their an ends to their mean. And I, I, it's evil and I think it's horrible. But at least with conservatives, it's just like, well, you know, talk about Jason Aldean for a couple of minutes and then we move on to something else. It's, it's, it's not productive at all. Yeah, no, when I so when I ran for I ran for Congress um, after I uh, sort of things calmed down at the gym. And as I was running, I realized that I had made a mistake. You know, I, I, I aimed really high and I was like, oh, well, I've got all this momentum. I can be a, a, a you know, a, a, a federal congressman, you know, but the reality was I realized that, like, even if I get there, like, what am I going to do? I'm going to be one of 500 plus people who's voting the right way. You know, if we vote on Ukraine, I'm going to be one of like four no's. Um, and I realized that, you know, that what really matters is what can you impact at your local level first and then at your state level. And once you have those sort of unlocked, then you can kind of tussle with the federal government. But like the reality is, is conservatism is focused on the federal level. Um, and because of that, we're we're losing ground because the the, the soil underneath our of our feet is being eroded. Um, you know, the conservatism, I, 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 I would liken it to like throwing ice cubes at the sun, you know, like we, we see Nancy Pelosi, like eating her ice cream and we're like yelling at her, but like Nancy Pelosi doesn't give a fuck. She yeah. doesn't care. She's unaffected by it. No matter how much social media presence there is, no matter what Jason Aldean singing about, like that's not going to win. Because we don't even have a solid foundation from from which to fight from. Like you said about the school boards, like it would be so easy in two years time that's already passed from when all this bullshit started in the schools. If conservative people, not even parents, people showed up and flooded their local school boards and we've seen it in, in, in small pockets, not it needs to be much more, but. You can fight these people because the people at the local level, your school board, your town council, they can't run from you. They live in your town. They have to answer to you. They don't live in a gated mansion outside of San Francisco, you know, where they're locked away eating twenty, you know, $20 a, a pint ice cream. These are people that live in your community. They have to answer to you. So if you make them uncomfortable, and let's just make sure for YouTube that that doesn't mean violence. If you make them uncomfortable, they are go they're not going to be able to withstand the heat. I've seen it. I've seen school boards walk out because we flooded the, the school board and they couldn't get a word out because there was a hundred angry parents who were saying, stop teaching our kids this. And yeah, they'll they'll still keep trying to do it, but the fight is winnable at the local level. And if you win at the local level, then you can focus on the county. And if you lock up your county, you can lock up your state. And it's it we can, we just can't fight on on nothing. We don't have a, a mm -hmm. foundation to stand on. So yeah, the culture wars matter, but the culture in your immediate area 
matters. You know, so less focus on Jason Aldean, more focus on like, hey, maybe start a Facebook group with concerned parents in your town and host a live every Tuesday night and talk about not only what's going on, because we all know what's going on. We don't need any more conservative mouthpieces just reposting what we see. This is what's going on. This is the agenda on our school board. We have 45 parents on this live. You know, let's divvy up some of this work and let's get it done. We need to make sure that next Tuesday when there is a meeting or whatever it is, that we get 200 parents in there. We can get 200 parents. It's not that hard. If you have 20 people in your local area, that's 10 people per person. And it's, it's all reasonable stuff, but we are as a culture and as a society, we're hooked on this idea that we're going to vote our way out of this. And we're going to, we're going to vote. We're going to, we're going to go to the polls and we're going to swing our Trump flags around and we're going to vote so hard that everything's going to stop. And it's like, not saying don't vote, but like focus on your local election. If you don't know who your mayor is, you are honestly part of the problem. Yep. If you don't know who who's on your town council, what they're getting paid, where the money in your t- in, at your local level is going, you can't complain about taxes because you're getting screwed right right in your own neighborhood. Who's your sheriff? The sh- the, the sheriff was oh. the one who was the that stopped a lot of the COVID nonsense because they're like, uh, uh like I, I remember when I lived in uh, outside of Akron or I still live around here, but the the city of Akron, Ohio said, we will bust up a party around Thanksgiving or Christmas is right around that time in 2020, that if you have more than 10 people there, they're going to count the cars and we will break this up. And our local sheriff, to his credit, said, I'm not enforcing that. I'm not doing that. You, do you honestly think we're just going to start going up and down streets and knocking on doors? It's like we, we spent a whole summer where people are throwing cinder blocks through businesses and we're told to stand down, not arrest people. Yet you want our, us to go in and say, uh, yeah, I hear some music there. Should probably uh, probably break that up. Are you wearing your masks? Is every no, they're not doing that. And that's part of that solution is that if you are going to vote, on a, on, again, it doesn't really matter if Joe. Yes, Joe Biden is embarrassing, but it's not making me lose sleep. What is making me lose sleep and what made me lose sleep in 2020 was knowing that there are some things I can't do tomorrow when I leave the house. And that's because it wasn't necessarily affected by the state or the federal government. It was affected by the county and my local ordinance. And that's what really bothered me is how people kind of fell in line with that. So that's why that's the solution is to focus so locally. And I, I think that's the one of the big things. And I've heard you talk about kind of coming of age, because uh, I think you and I are around the same age. I think you're about a year or two older than me, uh, the Ron Paul movement. And that got a lot of people waking up to going, guys, we got to get away from these neocons, this uh, this this Bush Cheney Rumsfeld war effort, you know, uh, I bleed red, white and blue type of stuff. It's not saying that you can't be patriotic or nationalistic or whatever, but Ron Paul kind of opened our eyes to a lot of stuff. But I think the Libertarian Party in general has dropped the ball so many times. I mean, fumbled constantly and. That's why I just I'm embarrassed for the uh, for the Libertarian Party right now, because there's even though the Mises caucus has really stepped up and done a lot of work, it's gotten to a point where 
I, I, they're they're just not doing anything. They really are the they're the other Washington generals. It's just they they seem like professional losers, like you said, and it's it's bothering me because there's a lot of great libertarian thought. There's a, a Austrian economics, everything like that, but it's just it's not stepping up, and it's I, it just really seems like it's controlled opposition in a lot of ways. The the problem with libertarianism is libertarians, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's. There's so much in because it, it's this party of like of of strict idealism and everybody has like differing opinions on how much liberty and, and, and there's so much just kind of like infighting and bickering that it, there's 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 no cohesiveness to the movement. I mean, yeah, the, the Mises caucus, I, I tend to like people in the Mises caucus more than I like most libertarians. Um, you know, and I've I've gone to Young Americans for Liberty. I, I I've been a part of uh, a lot of libertarian movements. I have a lot of libertarian values. I don't know how practical it is for today's age, um, because I, I think don't... it was good twenty tw- like fifteen twenty years ago was perfect. Because I just I have my doubts as to whether people can handle liberty. Um, you know, f- liberty and freedom comes with a, a, a huge amount of responsibility. And I mean, we just as a society don't have a lot of accountability for ourselves. Um, and I think that goes for everybody in some way, shape or form. But I think that most of our society would be woefully unprepared for for unregulated freedom. You know what I mean? Um, as, as horrible as that sounds to say, because that's what I want. I want people to be free. But if we're going to get there, We've got to start scaling back in a in a sensible way where people learn to stand on their own two feet first before we pull the rug out mm-hmm. um, and before we dismantle the government. But with libertarians, uh, the biggest problem is, is that there's two two problems I see. There's no cohesiveness, um, and and we refuse to put up strong leaders. Every every libertarian who makes it to the top of the party and who runs for president or whatever they're a goofball they like they can't be taken seriously like like, who's gonna vote for joe jorgensen you know i don't know about you but bill weld that's a principled libertarian are you kidding (laughs) and, and 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 there there are some there there are some good libertarian figures but it there's so much grappling at the bottom that like, oh, no, we like this, you know, I, I go on Twitter and I follow all the libertarian accounts and they all fight each other. Like they they all argue amongst each other and they attack people like Maj Ture, um, who's a, a friend of mine. And yes, Maj comes off very aggressively and Maj is very strong in some of his principles. And I don't agree with everything he says, but they spend time attacking him when when. We should say, okay, maybe we don't agree on everything, but what do we agree on as libertarians? And can we just, can we put together a doctrine that is going to unite all of us under a couple of core values and we're going to stop fighting about the rest and we're going to come in with some practical steps to take the state levels, to take the local levels. Um, I would love to see that from the libertarians. I would love it. And I would, I would gladly help but it's they've become a joke. Yep. I mean, people like people who don't know 
either they maybe they do know about libertarians or even if they don't it's like oh yeah like those those fucking those people over there who whatever like there's they're like what do they stand for again you know what i mean because it's oh you guys want completely open borders no 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 we don't all want that i don't know that guy over there from from the new hampshire you know whatever party or you know maybe not that but they're they're, the messaging is just it's all over the place yeah and to credit the uh the democrats i mean their message they all fall in line with it no matter how fucking absurd it is no matter how fucking crazy it is no matter how outlandish it is we're teaching butt sex to second graders and they're all like butt sex to second graders that's what <laughs> that's what we stand for and it's like i don't know how they do it but they do, and they're very effective at it. And if libertarians or conservatives are going to get anywhere, they have to get together with their messaging. Yeah, um, and and it's all over the place. Like you get your. My favorite is the two camps of libertarians, where one just starts talking about pot. They talk about pot and like, oh, you know, we're criminalizing people for smoking pot. There's someone has a joint and they're going to prison for 50 years. I'm like, well, that's not happening, but okay. And then you get the others where there is like big stuff, whether it's about COVID or anything. And they're like, well, we need to get back and talking about, uh, you know, the the, the tax, uh, this and that and everything. I'm like, yeah, I, I get that, but. I think we have bigger issues right now. Like, I'm not saying that we can't talk about that, but it's just all over the place. Like you said, that messaging is, it has to be more cohesive and it's not. And uh, I mean, and there, again, that's another thing. They're so hyper-focused on like the the national party. When you're talking about when, what what, what are the best odds right now that we'll have a libertarian president, a third party libertarian president or your local mayor is radicalized on Mises, uh, on uh, on uh, Hoppe, on um, you know uh, Rothbard, anything like that. I think there's a better shot that your mayor is probably going to be more of a libertarian than the president of the United States. So why not focus on that as opposed to well, we need a we we need to get somebody up here for president, and it just turns into a joke like Gary Johnson. <laughs> it's just it's all over the place. Yeah, no, and that's, I mean, that goes for conservatives too. If we want to start winning, we have to focus at the local level. Like like we said with the sheriffs, having having a good sheriff is one of the best ways to protect yourself from government overreach. And I mean, even and even, even when you win those battles, you're going to have another battle to fight right after that. Here in the state of New Jersey, three school, uh, three school districts voted unanimously. The, these school boards were overturned. They're in, they're in like, split area but they got the school board to be dominated by republicans all three of these school boards they're about 30 minutes here from here said we're not teaching kids about any sex stuff at all there's no opt-out there's no nothing we are going to teach when we teach kids about sex it's about biological function this is what your dick does this is what your vagina does sex ed and it's one year you know what i mean it's 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 what sex education was when we were kids yeah it's like when you're a sophomore, it's like, hey, you're going to get some hair and, you're, you know, you're going to your voice is going to get deeper and you'll figure the rest out. That's that. Uh, by, by the way, I'll let you I'll let you continue. But when I was in fifth grade, so we're talking late 90s, we had that was our first of the sex ed class. But it wasn't again. We're not talking about anything else, but it's Monday 
hey, we're going to talk about sex ed tomorrow. Here's a permission slip. If your parents don't want to sign it, then we'll put you in the library or study hall or whatever. So Tuesday is about the penis. Wednesday is about the vagina. And Thursday is sexual intercourse. This is how the egg gets fertilized. And by Friday, yeah. it's like, that's about it. Not like so, how you put a condom on with your mouth and, and what type of lube to use, but like, yeah. hey, this is how babies are made. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's like this. It, we're, uh, we didn't talk about pearls and beads and anything like that. We're not talking about <laughs> dildos. It was uh, well, masturbation. See, and see, yeah. some people like their nipples licked. You're like, what, what, what class is this? Yeah. I mean, there was a South Park joke 20 years ago that when do when should we start teaching sex ed? How about kindergarten? And we all laughed. And that's what they're doing right now. Everything is a, just a dystopian so South Park episode. Um, they, they've never been, they're always right. And it's, it's my, my favorite South Park <laughs> episode is the douchebag and the turd sandwich. Oh um, yes. <laughs> that's, the, you know, that's the, uh, the Republicans and Democrats. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's, so we had three local school boards say, no, we're not doing any of this stuff. And the governor turned around and he's suing this, he's suing the school boards. So there are so many battles to fight before we start fighting the federal government. You know, it's like, We've got to get 10 school boards, 15 school boards, 25, 50 school boards in a state to say, we're with these guys. We're going to, we're not doing it. Come on, come sue us. Let's go. And then, then that's a, that's a whole nother battle that we have to fight. You can't just skip to winning the governor's office, you know, or skip to winning the president and think that everything's going to be okay because we saw it under Trump. Everybody loved Trump. Look at all these governors running mad under him. Look, half the country was running mad under him. Look at places like, you know, like Florida, Ron DeSantis, you know, freedom governor or whatever he likes to call himself. Look, go look at Orlando. I went down for CPAC. They were, they were making people wear masks in the free state, you know? So it's like, it doesn't, it, it, it's not a top down thing. It's a bottom up thing. Yep. So people need to realize that we are very far from where we need to be. And if we're going to get there, we're going to get there inch by inch, the same way that we got here. We didn't get here overnight. We got here little by little by little. We gave up inch. We gave up. We gave up an inch here. We gave up an inch here. We gave up an inch here. We gave up five inches here. We weren't paying attention to this. And they got they got a yard in. And then now we're at the edge of the cliff. There's not a whole lot of room to stand and dig your heels in. But you're not just going to shove the enemy back. It's win the school board. Win another school board, win the town council, overturn something, fight a lawsuit, keep going, get your mayor, get your, you know, get your, uh, get your sheriff on board. There's a gentleman I know, he lives in South Carolina, I forget the county he's in. Um, they started this in their church. It's like a citizen action kind of group. Um, and they started it in their church, but it, it spread to kind of all around their area. And what they did was, they had everybody contribute money, whatever you could contribute, and they made just, just a nonpartisan citizen action group. That citizen action group organized citizens for different efforts. And what they've done over the past five years is they've put people in positions. Okay. Hey, Bill. All right, Bill. Bill, we're going to run you for school board. You've got the, the support of 200 people here and their friends and their families, and we're going to give you some money to run, except you are not a Republican. You are not a Democrat. You are one of us. And here are our principles, X, Y, Z, boom, 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 whatever it is. Bill gets into the school board, you know, do, 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 do. Next thing you know, five years later, they control one third of all positions in their county. One wow. third. 
one That's third great. of all of them, which means that they hold a fucking majority and they don't have to listen to the Republicans and they don't have to listen to the Democrats. And they've done some wonderful things. There was a Walmart coming into one of their towns. And what they did is instead of instead of, you know, bitching about it, they put their money together and they bought the land. They outbid the Walmart. They, 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 they lobbied, they did whatever. They talked to the people that were going to sell the land to Walmart. They bought the land, they built a factory there and they brought in two different companies that do all American work. That's, that's, the, done. Type, that's the type of change. If you want to protect your world, that's the stuff that matters. Because guess what? If that Walmart moves into that small town, South Carolina, all the mom and pop stores die. And then what? Then everybody's fucking fat and shopping at Walmart. Mm-hmm. You know, and then then you're you're just shoveling money into Walmart. And guess what Walmart's doing? They're just donating to the Democrats, donating to the Democrats, donating to the Republicans, donating to the Republicans. And next thing you know, 20 years from now, your town doesn't look anything like it was. There's no small businesses there anymore. There's a bunch of chains in there. There's a bunch of abandoned buildings. But no, they said, no, we're not doing that. We want to bring real jobs, real jobs, not not twelve dollars an hour at Walmart. We want to bring real manufacturing, American-made jobs into our town, and we're going to sacrifice to do it. And guess what? Now they all have a piece of it too. That's perfect. That's you a know, solution. That's a solution. But either a people don't realize that that's what they need to do, or b people aren't ready to put that p- type of effort because it's so much easier to pull up your phone, bitch about it on Facebook. And put it down and pretend like you're you're a conservative warrior or you're a freedom warrior. And it's like, no, you're going to have to give up something. You're going to have to give up your time, your energy, your emotion, whatever, your money, if you want those things to change. But it has to be at the local level. Donating to Donald Trump for for Save America PAC or whatever it is. That ain't it. It's 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 not. And the sooner people realize that, the better off all of us will going to be because it's and it's a. It's when you realize that you realize how much power you actually have and how in control you actually are. And yes, it does require more work. And yes, it's much passion. You have to have passion for it. How passionate are you for your local community or you find just letting them like like you said, just bulldoze uh, all this land, buying it up, eminent domain and then put a Walmart or a Target in. Mm -hmm. It, It takes work. And it's but once you see the results of what you can do. It, it it will start a fire inside of you, you know, and, and I'm, I'm a living, breathing example of that. You know, we were just a small, obscure gym in the in the corner of South Jersey, you know, a, a, a little local gym in a little strip mall. And we became a an, an international story. Um, and all it was was a decision. And it was it was just a couple. It, it just started as a couple people. It We didn't have millions of supporters on day one. It was two guys who made a decision, who knew whatever was going to come on that other side of the decision was probably going to be hard, but that had faith in their ability to weather whatever storm it was, who were willing to sacrifice their time, energy, money, whatever, time with their family, all these things. And people looked at us and goes, I'm going to stand with them. And first it was us and half of our members. And then we went on the radio and we talked about it. And then the phone started ringing. And then people started posting about it on Facebook and then Tucker Carlson called and then a big old can of gas got thrown on the fire. And then we're doing a thousand members a day in the height of COVID 
People are coming from seven different states on a regular basis. People are flying in. People are taking vacations to come to New Jersey to work out at the gym. That was That's the, what I did. I mean, the, yeah. Or they, they'd be in town. They were, they were, they were in Philadelphia and they're like, Hey, I'm going to drive 40 minutes to go work out at this gym. They would come, they'd buy a t-shirt, they'd support us. They'd donate some money. They'd take a picture. They'd post on social media. Their friends would ask about it. And next thing you know, we were fucking unstoppable. And that can happen anywhere. There's absolutely nothing special about what we did. You know, if you do that in your local community, if you take that step and you say, all right, I'm sick of this shit. I'm going to go knock on my fucking neighbor's doors and I'm going to ask them if they'll, if they'll join this Facebook group so that we can communicate. And I'm going to ask them, you know, I'm not going to talk about Republican, Democrat, whatever. I'm going to say, hey, listen, you know, whatever, do your pitch. And you're sure you'll get a couple doors slammed in your face and a couple people won't care. But guess what? When you walk around your whole town, I mean, I, I ran for Congress. I did door knocking. It's 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 time consuming, but you'll have some really good conversations and you'll learn a lot about your neighbors and you'll get five people and you'll get 10 people. You'll get 20 people. And next thing you know, in your little town of a couple thousand people, you've got a big group of people who are like, all right, I'll chip in a couple bucks. All right, I'll, I'll chip in my Tuesday night. And now you have something to, to be reckoned with. And once you have something to be reckoned with, recruiting's easy. Everybody wanted to be a part of the gym when when we were a national news story. I mean, it was there was no shortage of support. All I had to do was go on my phone. I, I mean, I remember when they locked us out. I just I, I went on and said, hey, we're kicking the doors in. Uh, we'll be here uh, tomorrow, 12 o'clock. We pulled up at the gym. The parking, parking lot's full. You know, and it's. But it's got to start this big. Got to start with one person. That's right. If you're in your town and you're in your community and you don't see anybody else leading, it's on you. Well, I, I think you and I have matching tattoos here. We so, do. Right Wrong there. Arm. Wrong arm. There we go. <laughs> there it is. I mean, that's that's what it takes. And uh, and and folks, again, you can go check out Find Your Hill, all those stories and more about that fight and, uh, you know, the, the highs and lows of everything by Ian Smith. Find your hill. Go to findyourhill.com just because I, for, again, I couldn't pull it up on the browser. It was giving me like a bad direction or whatever. But uh, yeah, go check. Don't don't buy. You can buy, I guess, from Barnes and Noble, but go buy from because, of course, everyone's you're going to get like bad reviews. And of course, it's somebody <laughs> who has a bat has a bone to pick with you or something like he locked on his state. You shouldn't check this. 2.1. I didn't see that. Nice. Doing pretty good. <laughs> so. But yeah, go go to findyourhill.com and find your hill, the book by Ian Smith. Ian, uh, one more thing I got to ask you about, just sure. because as being a fitness guy and also being plugged in with what, what's happening. And, and I know we were talking a lot of like local versus global stuff, but this global effort of what of basically you'll own nothing and you'll like it and you need to eat bugs like. I, I look at this and I, I laugh because I know I'm not going to eat the bugs. No. I know I, I just bought a home because I want to buy a home. I have a car. I have a phone. I have all these things. I want to make sure that I have ownership of something. Be, uh, otherwise, you know, what is it? So am I just going to be a Russian surf and live in uh, hostels the rest of my life and not have a car, not have any of this? And oh, by the way, here's 18 stories from NPR that says bugs are good. You should eat those. And I'm just like, what is going on nowadays? And it's just more and more and more. They keep pushing it out there. And then, of course, if uh, NPR again last week said that 
oh, it, there, there's this big right wing conspiracy and it's rooted in racism. If you think that we're trying to tell you to eat bugs, I'm like, go to your own website, dude. <laughs> there's eight at the eight, bottom. It links to an article about eating bugs, <laughs> but no one, no one's telling you to eat bugs, but you should really eat bugs. Like it's uh, this is not happening, but if it is happening, it's good. I, I, I had to, I have to ask you about that. Like what, what is the plan here? And that agenda 2030 and all this other nonsense that's been going on, but I'd like to say it's nonsense, but they kind of help predict a lot of the vaccine stuff. So I'm assuming that that's the next thing, the climate stuff. Well, I mean, it's just the, uh, the lowering and lowering of standards. You know, they're, they're getting people to accept less and less out of their lives, you know, and it's, it's like this multifaceted sort of approach where, you know, it's like once upon a time, like, people's lives were, were sort of much more fulfilling, um, in the real world, you know, but it's like you introduce video games and you get kids hooked on video games and they're just, they're kind of happy inside, just fucking playing some halo or whatever the hell they play these days. Um, you know, and, and people were, uh, people used to save up and go on like really interesting vacations, um, you know, and like want to travel overseas and, and do all these things. Now it's like, meh, you know, go on a cruise, like go on, just go on a boat and we'll like, we'll drop you off a little bit. And it's, you know, and, and nothing wrong with that, but it's like, next thing you know, your options become more and more limited. Um, and, and it's everywhere. It's in the food that you eat. It's in, you know, your education, it's in this, it's in that it's, you know, and it ties into all these these ideas that that fall under that 2030 umbrella and what happens is you're just molding people to be more easily controlled you know you get them to accept less and less and less and they have less and less to fight about and to i got one too <laughs> <laughs> uh it's just you know if if you can accept people if you can get people to accept the bare minimum then you can take that from them very easily you know, if you have people with high standards and be like, no, I deserve steak. I deserve nice things. You know, my money should be should be worth something. You know, uh, I should be able to go where I want, do what I want, you know, all of these things. And I'm going to be healthy and I'm going to be happy and I don't need permission. But you you train people kind of into this this corner where it's like, oh, man, like, man, I'm not allowed to collect rainwater. Uh, you know, that's, that's it's called learned helplessness. That's exactly what it is. It's learned helplessness and it's the acceptance of lower standards over and over and over to then, you know, it's like, well, I mean, we're already eating bugs. So like, I'll just eat this paste too. Like it's easier than the bugs. It's less messy and it comes in a tube and I'm still fine, you know, cause I have my TV in front of me and I have my video games and, you know, it's um, the movie idiocracy is one of my favorites. Um, you know, it's this comedy for anybody who hasn't seen it. Um, God, it came out about 20 years ago. Um, it's a dystopian future um, where the premise of the movie is that stupid people reproduce faster than smart people. Um, and the world just becomes this low performing uh, blob. And, uh, you know, everybody's got their little pod and um, they've got a giant TV in their pod and it's got everything on there. And, you know, their their lazy boy uh, recliner is a uh, it doubles as a toilet so they don't have to get up. And, you know, they have feeding tubes that, you know, just just come from a bucket. And that is um, that's an ideal situation for anybody who wants to be in control. 
because if people if people know that there's more out there for them, they'll fight for it. But if they think that, oh, this is all we have, then it's not very easy to, to keep them at that very low level. And that's uh, they, they've, they've said that's their goal. I mean, they're, they're very open about it. It's not like some grand conspiracy. They write books about it and have big conferences about it. Um, and they veil it in this like morality uh, in this like this this fake morality where it's like, oh, well, you know, bugs are better for the environment than steak is. And it's like, oh, and you, you, for, you know, you have like the idiots out front who are like, yeah, that's great. But then like it starts coming up in your food and, you know, then there's artificial burgers and then cow farts are bad for the environment. And then next thing you know, it's they, they restrict and restrict and restrict to where it's like, well, steak's just expensive. So I'm just going to go with the bug paste. Um, well, and they've already said, uh, yeah, no one's taking away your gas stoves and uh, stay in New York and it's going to happen elsewhere. They're going to take away your gas stove. And I just saw one last week. Uh, oh, you have a hot water heater. Yeah, those are going to go soon, too. And your washer and dryer. Yeah, that's too much. Like, why can't you just like take a one of those washboards like from the gold panning days of the 1800s and uh, you go wash your clothes there and put them on a, on, on a hanger and, you know, it'll it'll dry off. It'll be OK. So they're trying to take away all those comforting things that we've built up so nicely in our lives, take it away from it. And the thing is, you and I, and I think other people are, the biggest thing you can say there is, no, I'm not doing that. And no. you move on, but <laughs> also keep it in the back of your mind that they will try to take it from you, just like they tried to take your gym away from you, just like they tried to take your way of life uh, away from you just a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. it, the reason I still bring up the COVID stuff, and this is why I was so happy to, that, that I was able to have you on the podcast here, is that 2020 was a test run for a lot of us. It was a test. Many people, including our neighbors, failed the test. Because we know that if they're going to do something with climate lockdowns or anything that's possibly coming around, whether it could be as early as early next year in 2024 with the big presidential election or 2030 or whatever the case is, we have to be prepared. And how do you be prepared? Like we said, you find those solutions locally and uh, until but if you're so focused on who the president is and uh, you care about reality TV or, uh, you know, your streaming options and stuff like that, then you're probably going to get manipulated pretty quickly. And I, I don't know what we can do other than podcasts like this or books like Find Your Hill that can save you. If you don't want to watch those, if you don't want to read those or listen to any of this stuff, then uh, enjoy your learned helplessness and enjoy your bug paste because that's 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 what your future is going to be destined to. I'm sorry to sound black pilled for some people, but I think it's a white pill for others. Yeah. No, the, the white pill is that you are more powerful than you give yourself credit for. And that the best way to impact the world around you is to, to be as excellent of an individual and as high achieving as an individual as you possibly can and to showcase your wins and to have a very strong moral compass to be unforgiving with it, to share it with the world and to encourage others to do the same thing. And if people see that, there's no amount of programming and sort of pressure from society, you know, that that's going to beat that, you know? So if, if you as an individual say, you know, I want to be free, I want to be the best I possibly can. So what do I have to do? Okay. I have to be physically in shape. I have to be a dangerous kind of individual. I have to be, I call it hard to kill, right? You're healthy, you're strong, you have good endurance. You're, you're able to persevere through, through physical tests, 
Um, your, your, your mental state, same thing. You have to be strong phys physically and mentally. Uh, you should have a strong connection to some sort of spirituality, whatever, whatever that is, um, and share that with the world and, and, and share it with your, you know, yourself be involved in these communities because people who are spiritual are looking to be better, you know, for whatever it is. Um, you have to be financially fit. You have to, you can't be burdened by debt. You can't be living on credit cards. You, you have to drop the idea of instant gratification. You know, I I've lived for years in an 800 square foot house and it allowed me from going, it allowed me from, from being a convicted felon with a hundred thousand dollars in debt to a gym owner in just a couple of years, because I didn't have so much pressure on me financially. I didn't have all these things. So there's all these steps you can take, but if you do those, people will see it and you will inspire others. And the more people who are like that, the, the harder we will all be to control. So the white pill in that is to focus on what you can control first, and that's yourself. If you're good for yourself, you're good for your community. If you're good for the, if your community is good, your community is good for its surrounding areas. If the surrounding areas are good, they're good for the state. And if the states are good, the state is, you know, the, we can focus on the country. It, it's this kind of, when your cup is full, you can fill people up, right? But we've all been taught this idea that we have to care about everybody else. You've got to care about Ukraine first. And then after Ukraine, you've got to care about the refugees. And after the refugees, you've got to care about this. And after that, you got to care about that. And then that, and then that, and then that, and then that. And if you have any energy left at the end of the day, you can focus on your, fi your family and yourself. And they have it flip-flopped. And so what it is, is people need to start focusing on what they can do to make themselves better. And then once they get better, they can share that. And once the people around them get better, they can all share that. And it's, it kind of cups, oh, the, the cups continue to fill instead of you getting back at the end of the day after caring about the whole world and being like, oh man, I got to go work out, but I have no energy left. Um, and that's the white pill in it. That's the solution for individuals. There you go. Well, I mean, boy, I could, I could have had a number of titles for this podcast, but the title for today's show is Ian Smith and it's Find Your Hill. And that is your book. Go check it out at findyourhill.com. Where can we find you on social media? Ian Smith Fitness. You can find me on social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter. It's all Ian Smith Fitness. Excellent. Well, Ian, thanks so much. This has been, been a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, great podcast. Uh, I, I could probably do another three hours with you, but I know you're pressed for time. You got all that. I got shit going on myself today too. So, but I, again, thanks for setting this time aside and good luck on the book. Good luck on everything else. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll continue staying strong and fight the good fight. My pleasure, man. Thank you. And thank you for checking out the Check Your Brain podcast. My name is Tony Mazur. I am on the major podcast platforms as well as YouTube for now and Rumble. And I'm at patreon.com slash Tony Mazur if you want more content such as this. Thanks, everybody, for checking out the show. And I'll be back with you with another new episode coming up tomorrow. Bye now.